Let's Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome, everyone. I'm joined today by Brad Shawkund, and together we've been recording the Pandemic in Review, a look at lessons unlearned. This has been a great series so far and some really interesting conversation and perspectives being shared. Now, for those of you that haven't met Brad before, he is a behavioral specialist, a coach, facilitator, and a speaker. He works with business leaders around the world, helping them to consistently innovate and be ready to create exceptional employee experiences that translate into meaningful innovation, constant relevance, and significant revenue. Welcome, Brad. Hi, Karen. Thanks for having me here. Fantastic. So, Brad, as we begin part three of our, our series, let us know your opinion or your view on really what we should be striving for because essentially we've gone through part one and part two really looking at you know what what has gone unlearned or where could we have done better or where we failed to adapt but what does good look like what's the opposite of that what should we be working towards if, if i had that answer definitively and and with certainty i i would be a very very wealthy and very busy man but <laughs> My lens on it is we, I think we should be striving for organizations that are building or designing consistently assessing and exploring and open to the adjustment of what we need and who we need to be to remain relevant in a fast changing world. So agility, but an intention around a balance between great business outputs and great human delivery. So yes, crystal clarity on what we need to do, what we need to be achieving in terms of business sustainability. And that's clear for everybody, that everybody is engaged in the big picture, everybody understands. And by everybody, I mean leaders communicating with the employees, what are our objectives? And then secondly, a obsessive focus, and I use the word obsessive very deliberately around better humaning, because I think that the metrics of business are skewed. The scorecards focus largely on transactional outputs, largely on profitability, largely on product, on production, largely on, on net revenues, and are under measuring the behavioral context. Yeah, they put them in there, but I think it's a, it's a little bit of lift service, I find. And I think that that metric needs to be higher. So a meaningful balance in terms of the way organizations show up, in terms of measuring business and measuring humaning. And then delivering on those measurement criteria, delivering on those metrics, holding people to account, leaders and employees around how they behave. One of the things that I, I, I experienced before COVID and I've experienced it even more during COVID is we do not consequence bad behavior enough. And by bad behavior, I mean the behaviors that create toxicity in, in environments, in organizational environments, behaviors that create illness, behaviors that create that people feel psychologically unsafe. I think that if anything, what COVID has done is it should have forced us to become much more aware of what good humaning looks like. And we should be pursuing in business environments where we acknowledge, applaud, and celebrate good humaning 
And I'm not seeing enough of that. I'm seeing two, and it's more senior leaders. And this, I'm talking to the senior leaders specifically here, because these are the people who design these business dynamics. I see too much um, protection of bad behavior at a senior leadership level. Too many leaders getting away with, uh, with, with bad behavior, walking on water, not being consequenced. But the problem is people lower down in organization look up at that and go, oh, so that's how I become successful if I behave like that. And now we have a contagion of bad behavior. So to nutshell, I think we need to be still pursuing business results aggressively, but we need to be pursuing better humaning aggressively and finding a balance. So Brad, tell us a little bit about the book that you wrote around better humaning. So the book is called We Are Still Human and Work Shouldn't Suck. It, uh, it hit the shelves in December of 2018. So that was a year before COVID happened. But what was really interesting was on the front cover of the book, the, the, the byline was how to build businesses that are awesome places for human beings to work in a world gone digital crazy. Now, what happened a year later is the world went digital crazy. And it's not like we suddenly discovered digital. We had always been in a digital world. We've always been, you know, since the advent of machines and technology, we have been in a tech-based world, but the experience of technology was amplified. So we did go a little bit digital crazy. And what the book is, is a it's more of a how-to than, than just a what you need to do. One of the things that, that I've noticed with a lot of thought leadership books and leadership books and culture books is they're very good at telling you what you need to do, but they don't tell you how to do it. I was really, really intentional around creating the how when writing the book. And what the book does is sets the scene for better humaning in a digital crazy world. What are those key experience touch points that dial up the human experience? What is it that we need to be creating inside each of those touch points? And how do we do that? How do we lead for that? And also, how do we understand when we're behaving badly, as I've just mentioned, inside each of those touch points? And it's when we start to understand what those touch points are. If we take something along the lines of meaningful communication, which was one of the critical experience touch points that, that, that we came across when researching and looking at organizations around the world, communication kept coming through as a theme, as one of the touch points where experience is either significantly heightened or significantly bad. We added the word meaningful in front of it because meaningful is what makes the difference. What am I looking to achieve with this moment of communication, whether it is an email, a phone call, a WhatsApp message, or face-to-face -face engagement? What makes it meaningful? Is it succinct? Is it specific? Is it intended to create a winning result? Am I open and available to listening? All of that will create the quality of the experience that is had by the people involved in that moment of communication and how meaningful it will be. But when you understand, when an organization or an individual understands and pays attention to that one experience touch point that is happening millions of times a day across an organization, if all of those communication touch points were dialed up in terms of their quality, what becomes possible inside that business? What becomes possible in terms of the experience people are having and the creation of the conditions for success in that organization? If you then take the other touch points and you understand what meaningful communication has in terms of its impact on them. Take, for example, ways of working was another critical touch point. What are all the systems, processes, and values 
that work and that we can believe in, that we can use consistently because we understand them. Those are the ways of working. There's a strong intersect, a strong tension between a meaningful communication and ways of working. When we understand how they are impacting each other and how all 12 of the essentials, we call the, these the essentials of a company behaving awesomely, when you understand how they are all pushing and pulling on each other the whole time, you are now well equipped to behave differently with intention, to lead differently, and to design people's strategy for a heightened experience. And that's where you get your switched on and grown employees. And that's where you ultimately create a company behaving awesomely, a healthy organization that has got sustainability and that people want to come to, choose to come to and choose to stay at. And while they're there, they can shoot the lights out. This is where business success lives, delivery through human beings. And that's what the book is, is all about. We kind of when we when we adapted to the pandemic or at least when we all kind of jumped on online one of the key considerations or, or thoughts was how do we how do we continue or at least continue to try to build trust within teams to build a sense of psychological safety you know recognize people's ability to contribute our abilities to collaborate etc which are all really key essentials both pre-pandemic and and will be post-pandemic and certainly came to the fore during the pandemic but you know, how do organizations shift if they get this right versus what is the impact of us not focusing on those behaviors now? The, the impact of not focusing on these behaviors now is similar to what the impact was before, but also slightly different. Previously, organizations that, that, that I've experienced, that I've studied, that I've researched, that I've worked with, that weren't focusing on these experience touch points would have experienced significant stuckness in terms of accountability because people avoid accountability when things aren't clear, as I've mentioned previously. They would have experienced lack of productivity. They would have experienced a lot of toxicity in the internal dialogue, the water cooler conversations. They would have experienced mistakes being made because of a lack of clarity. All of that still exists. However, now what they will be experiencing in addition is they will be experiencing people leaving. And I'm hearing these conversations. People are saying, well, hold on a second. If I'm being forced into a less healthy working context than I was just a few months ago, I think I might choose to take my skills elsewhere. What people have realized is that they don't have to work the way we used to work. And that, you know, there's, there's one organization that posted on social media recently was a brilliant post. They said, and this is in the financial services sector, they said, every time we see one of our competitors advertising or, or speaking about their new return to work policy, where they are forcing people to come back and they're not listening to their employees, we place more adverts on PNET and we recruit. And they're saying, hey, if you're not happy with where you are, we are welcoming great talent to come back, to come to our organization, where we're not going to put you through or subject you to what you're experiencing elsewhere. The only catch is that they're going to have to then walk their talk, but they are, because what they're doing is they are attracting talent, great talent, away from organizations that are not paying attention. And so I think that that's going to be one of the great pains that organizations are going to be experiencing, is people are going to leave, because the boundary, I spoke about boundaries earlier on in the series, that, that is one of the boundaries that has been dialed up. People are pushing back and saying, no, I don't accept that you can force me to do these things anymore. 
And uh, it's not everybody, but there's a, and that's one of the tensions is those people who haven't yet built that boundary muscle versus those people who have. And so you've got a team dynamic now that's occurring. One of the impacts is a disconnect inside teams where some people want to be at the office, others don't. And the ones who want to be at the office are trying to force those who don't to come to the office. So now it's become even harder to create a highly functional team in terms of its relationship. This is not necessarily impacting the work outputs because people are functional and are doing what they need to be doing, but the relationships are coming under pressure because there's the them, there's the, the, the them and the us's that's starting to occur. So another challenge for leaders is becoming, well, how do I overcome this them and us thing? And that's where the eyes up, eyes down methodology is so important that we've got to self-manage. And this is talking to agility. You know, agile leadership, agile businesses, agile teaming is about self-managing, about not having to force, about really, really connecting to what really matters here and how do we make those decisions? How do we create that we have autonomous environments? Organizations and leaders who don't get this right are going to be experiencing the consequence of consistent people turnover. And that's going to become an even bigger disruptor to creating connection. Very hard to build sustainable connection when you've got a lot of people coming and going. And this is not a prediction. This is not the being a soothsayer. This is what I'm seeing happening in teams and organizations now. Lots of people saying, I choose not to be there. Or if they haven't made the decision yet, they're in the process of making that decision as we now transition back to this more like full-time return to work. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest consequences. It also creates an inconsistency and a, a significantly reduced context of trust because trust takes time to build. Psychological safety takes time to build, especially when you're new in an environment. And the more new we have, the harder it's going to be to create those trusted connections. If we've got lots of new people, it's going to take a lot longer to create trust. I think also you're focused on on the part of the population that that has the luxury to be able to decide to leave or yeah. able to find another job. I think what's what's more scary are people that are unhappy and that have to stay. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, and you're right, and it's it's a good observation. I am talking about that sector that does have that flexibility, that does have that choice, that that have realised that they do have other options. And I think that's the important thing is there is a significant brains trust that is realized and brains trust. I mean, it's a, it's a capability and a skill set where, yeah, I do have options. And but now the problem is for organization is that layer of of knowledge worker carries a huge in many cases, a huge institutional knowledge as well. They've spent time. They've learned a lot. They carry a lot of IP and that's a lot of IP that's going to be leaving. But then if we look at the, the, the other sector of the workforce that doesn't have these choices, now where do these people sit in terms of, well, they don't have this flexibility of choice. They now sit in a space where, okay, so I'm kind of back to how things were before, but in an organization where there's disconnection at other levels or layers of the organization, because we've got multi-layered where at some layers people have choice, at other layers people don't have choice, now, what does that mean in terms of the business dynamic? We're in even further disconnected overall context. And these are the complexities at an organizational level that we need to be starting to understand. And I wonder, this talks now to, to me also to the reskilling. 
you know, there's this, a, a lot of people talking about the redundancy and, and there's lots written and lots of research and, and lots of science around the jobs that are going to become redundant and uh, the things that can be replaced by machines and robots. And if we don't start to upskill ourselves and reskill ourselves, a lot of people could be re replaced by, by machines and AI. And this is true. But I think what we need to do is not be in fear of this, but rather be looking at, okay, what do I have access to? You no longer need to go, and I mean, my business school colleagues will be upset with me saying this, but you no longer need to go to business school to get a great business education, to learn new skills, to become digital savvy. There is so much um, free and very, very cost-effective education online, uh, informal education that people can use to re-relevance themselves. And I think for me that that becomes a really important thing. If you are not somebody who right now is being given choice or has choice around where you can and can't do what you do, how might you change that dynamic by creating that you become differently relevant? No one is going to change that for you. No one is looking to save anybody else. No one's coming. That massive, massive workforce that needs to re-relevance itself needs to start to do that for itself. What I would suggest though, what I would suggest is that if you're a senior leader or you're somebody in a in a OD context or an HR context, what might you be creating to create some access to people who may not know how to do this, but they can do this? What responsibility do we have as, as human resource professionals? I did a talk recently where I said we need to re-language what HR means. I don't think HR should mean human resources. I think it should mean human relevance. How do we start to create that human beings are relevant, more relevant? Otherwise, HR is going to mean human remains. So it's a dynamic between human relevance or human remains. And that's a call out and a challenge to any HR practitioners that are, are listening to this. Are you, are you doing the hard work to help people be more relevant? And that's at an organizational level and that's at a human level. Are you doing the heavy lifting to create human relevance? I'm really looking forward to how we how we start looking at that in part four, where we discuss kind of lessons from organizations that are getting it right, because they're obviously the ones that have have really looked at this from that perspective and, and shifted and adapted in the right ways where people do feel more valued. The concept of relevance or the, the, the term relevance has taken on almost a, a new meaning in a life of its own, and they've certainly embraced embraced change from that perspective. Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to, to our next conversation. And again, specifically, just your engagement assessment that will be coming out and some of the other really awesome things you've got on the go. Do you want to tell our listeners about some of the, the cool things that you're cooking up at Still Human? Yeah, so Still Human, what I love about, about my business is that it, there, are, there are kind of no rules. We get to listen to our clients and, and what they're experiencing and, and innovate all sorts of different ways for them, to, for us to assist them to create that their workplaces are, are awesome places to be. So something that obviously the things we do every day are, are we, we use our experience model to help organizations to immediately identify how do they increase the experience that people are having in the workplace and how do they lead for it? So that's some stuff that's in the works and ready to go right now. But what I'm busy developing as well, because I've had a lot of requests for a blended solution around learning in the room or via technology using Zoom and whatnot to learn how to do this, 
to learn how to lead for this, but then also to learn how to scale this. How do we, you know, the question I get asked all the time is how do we get thousands of people in our organization to understand how to better human in the workplace for each other and for our clients? And so what I'm currently very excited about is alongside the employee experience, I'm also building an online on-demand kind of a, an LMS learner management program where I've taken our first book because I'm busy with books two and three at the moment, and I've put that into a readily available learning program where people can learn about those essentials, learn what to do, get all the tools. And so that'll be launched soon as well. So as you can see, I've got a lot of stuff that I'm about to launch. And if this is something that people are interested in, they should drop me an email and we can, I'll keep them informed of as soon as these things become available and give them all the information. Fantastic, Brad. I've really enjoyed our time together today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. It's been great to be here.